Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 512. Superstition, written clearly on their faces. Their eyes went to the flickering fire, then back to me. I was one of those. I meddled with dark powers. I summoned demons. I ate the entire little cheese, including the rind. Looking at their stunned faces, I realized nothing I said would set them at ease. Not right now. So instead, I sighed and began to set up my sleeping roll for the night. While there wasn't much cheerful conversation around the fire that night, there wasn't any muttering from Deadon either. I'd like respect. But failing that, a little healthy fear can go a long way to make things run smoothly. Two days with no further dramatics on my part helped everyone relax. Deddon was still all bluff and bravado, but he had quit calling me boy and was only complaining about half as much, so I considered it a victory. Flushed with this lukewarm success, I decided to make an active attempt to draw Tempe into a conversation. If I was going to be in charge of this little group, I needed to know more about him. More importantly, I needed to know if he could speak more than five words in a row. So I approached the ADEM mercenary when we stopped for our midday meal. He was sitting slightly apart from the rest of us. He wasn't standoffish, it's just that the rest of us would sit and talk while we ate. Tempe, on the other hand, simply ate. But today I made a point of sitting down next to him with my lunch a chunk of hard sausage, and some cold potatoes. Hello, Tempe. He looked up and nodded. Hello. For a second, I caught a glimpse of his pale gray eyes. Then he looked away, shifting restlessly. He ran his hand through his hair, and for a second, he reminded me of Simon. They both had the same slender build and sandy hair. Simon wasn't quite... Simon wasn't quiet, though. Sometimes... I could barely get a word in edgewise with Sim. I tried to talk to Tempe before, of course. Ordinary small talk. The weather, sore feet after a long day's walk, the food. These had all come to nothing. At best, a word or two. More often, a nod or a shrug. But most common was a blank look, followed by fidgeting and a stubborn refusal to do so much as look me in the eye. So today I had a conversational gambit. I have heard stories about the Lathani, I said. I would like to know more. Would you tell me about it? Tempe's pale eyes touched mine briefly, his expression still blank. Then he looked away again. He tugged one of the red leather straps that held his end of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. I think Rothfuss is trying to, uh, maybe, trying to get us to like Tempe by comparing him to Simon. It's a character that we already have spent a lot of time with, a character that we already like. So having both connect them helps us to connect them and go, okay, this guy is someone that I don't mind spending time with, or like I'm more likely to kind of trust this character despite the fact that so far we have very little to recommend him because we are reminded of another character that we like and trust. Yeah, I like 
the idea that Rafus might be doing that, and I agree that if he is, that's smart. Yeah, uh, I also feel like Rothfuss is setting up a new mystery for us to think about, which is, what is Tempe's deal? You know, why is he so quiet? What is the truth behind the Adem and the Lathani? Uh, you know, he's he's having Quoth ask those questions, which makes us ask them as well. He's setting up another thing for us to be interested about. And because we know this chapter is about to come to a close, that is going to propel us to when we're reading this book and it's 1 a.m. Rather than decide, okay, that's enough for tonight. It's going to prompt us to decide, oh, but one more chapter. Maybe he'll get this Tempe guy to talk to him. There's also a callback to Quoth's earlier lessons in etiquette. And I can't quite remember when this came up. But uh, when he is describing how the other people in the party see him, once he uses sympathy, he says, you know, I was one of those. I meddled with dark powers. I summoned demons. I ate the entire little cheese, including the rind. And I enjoy that little joke uh, that is also a callback. I don't remember what it is a callback to, but I do think it is funny. I think it's when he sat down to dinner. um, With Mellowin? Maybe. He was at some fancy dinner, and it was remarked upon that he was eating the rind of the cheese. Yeah, well, no, he had to learn not to do it. He was learning the etiquette in order to be able to... Oh, in order to be able to, like, sit with her. Yes, and he had to be reminded. I don't think he ever did eat it, but I think he had to be... He, he commented to us, the the readers, how wasteful it was not to eat the rind of a good cheese. That's right. Good memory. Quoth is also revealing himself to be a prefiguration of Machiavelli in the world of Temerant. Uh, Machiavelli famously said in The Prince that it is better to be feared than to be loved if one cannot be both. Uh, and he's Mach- Machiavelli is talking specifically in the context of like being a leader. And Quoth kind of paraphrases that exact idea. You know, I'd like respect, but failing that, a little healthy fear can go a long way to making things run smoothly. Uh, and I don't think he's wrong. You know, because Dayton does quit backtalking him quite so much and quits condescending to him quite so much. He hasn't warmed up to him exactly, but he is stop, you know, stopping the condescension and taking him a bit more seriously, which is what Quoth wanted to happen. Yes, I suppose. I mean, it's a very Quoth way to do things also. Like in, in my brain, I'm like, of course you did this. <laughs> of course this is like fine with you. Yeah, th- this isn't a catastrophe right out of the gate, which is... It feels unusual for Quoth. Maybe it's not, but it's. I think it's just a bit of window dressing. As you say, Jeremy, it's a chance for all the characters to flex, to to show themselves a little bit, and for Rothfuss to kind of set the scene and the tone for, for the various relationships that, that are going to play off each other. Because the next act of the book is mostly about their relationships and getting to a point where they can start telling their stories. There's a lot in this in this act of the book before we get to the before we get to the bandits and then Felurian. And most of that is more story in a stories. We get three or four different sub stories coming up here. So we need to get a read on these characters and kind of understand what makes them tick. And normally with Quoth, when he takes a gamble like this, it seems like it leads to a catastrophe or a big win. And this is neither. This wasn't a super dramatic occurrence, but uh, it nudges along those character relationships quite a bit. It, it's also worth saying that you might think to yourself, well, why doesn't Quoth try to like diffuse the situation with them by saying, look, sympathy's no big deal. I'm not like a black magician or whatever. 
you know, why doesn't he try to explain things to them? And I think that the answer is because he knows that would that would lose him their respect. It would make him look weak in some sense. And so he decides that rather than look weak, he's going to play the cards that he has dealt himself by making himself frightening to them and letting them be frightened of him a little bit. I mean, I think he's wrong to think that, but I agree with you that that is his thought process. I think he's right to think that. I don't see how explaining it in a in a small sense would make it any less impressive to them. Like, if if someone does something that's like crazy, and then and you're like afraid of them for it, them saying like, "Hey, this thing isn't a big deal." You're not going to suddenly agree with them that it's not a big deal. You're still going to think it's a big deal. But having them tell you that it's not a big deal makes you less afraid of that person in particular. Right. But I think that to a a person like Dayton in particular, apologizing, backing down, or admitting a mistake or uh, a wrongdoing in any sense is a sign of weakness. But he's not, so So he wouldn't be doing any of those things. What he would be doing is he would be, you would have to frame it in that he is educating them. He's not saying, you don't need to be af- afraid of me because I'm weak. You, what he's saying is, you should respect me because I can do this thing that you don't understand. And here I am being better than you, explaining it to you. Jordana, when was the last time you encountered someone uh, educating someone who needed to be educated and that person w- welcomed that? Uh, I don't talk to a lot of people in general. It never happens, Jordana. That will never, ever happen. A person like Dayton uh, will not respond well to being uh, calmly educated. Because even if Quoth doesn't intend it that way, it will come across as condescending to Dayton. In the same way that Dayton, whether or not he intended to come across as condescending, that's how Quoth took it. Okay, but even if Dayton took it as being condescending, it still doesn't put Quoth in a in a lesser or weaker position i mean this might just be a difference of opinion we're going to have to agree on agree to disagree on rather but i think that if you're going to go the route of i'm a scary wizard then the less you explain the more effective that will be anything you say beyond that will dilute it and and nothing you say is going to make these people trust you now yeah this is a rare occurrence but i actually think quoth made the right call here fine i will agree to disagree very well and listeners, you know, that's that's something that I think Reg would smile on. Oh, my uh, God. And, uh, and <laughs> it doesn't count. This is two episodes yes. in a row. It doesn't count. <laughs> listeners, you can tell us what you think counts and how much you would like a T-shirt of Reg on another page. Of? <laughs> the Wind. Wind.